Well, with Juju out, someone who stepped up, Kadarius Tony, had a great game. He had two carries for 33 yards, four receptions for 57 yards, and a tippy-toe touchdown. Um, he's gotten a lot of praise from Andy, from Patrick. They say he's super smart. He works hard. He studies this playbook. And it showed today. I, uh, Cody, can I just can I just throw something out there before you give your sure. answer? Whatever you're about to say, Kadarius Tony is obviously after two weeks in Kansas City ahead of Sky Moore in the wide receiver. Oh, oh yeah. No question. It, is, it took him two weeks. It took him two weeks. I think it might have taken him one, weeks. but yeah. <laughs> he played nine weeks in his debut, and I thought, you know what? I'm not sure what's going to happen here. And then he came out today and was on the field for nine of the Chiefs' first 20 snaps offensively. There is no mistake how this wide receiver depth chart is is sort of sorting itself out. I um I okay, so if you probably remember from this podcast or if you listen to our show in Kansas City, my initial response to the Tony trade was I hate it. I, I remember your I, tweet. I saw that tweet. I do remember uh, that actually. Cody looked me in the face and said this this sucks. I don't like this trade. It's <laughs> well, for the obvious reasons, which is Give me, in the history of the NFL, a single example. One. I want literally one example of a former first-round pick who is no longer with their team inside of two or three years that just goes on to massive success at their next stop. And the answer is zero. There are zero examples of it happening, except for now maybe Tony. Because what the hell? He had 100 all-purpose yards. It's the second-best game his entire career. To say that Kadarius Tony had around 450 total yards in his career is actually misleading because in his 13 game career before getting in Kansas city, he did have around 450 total yards and 190 of them were in one game. So in every other game, Tony played, he didn't matter. He was a non NFL factor. He couldn't get on the field with a playoff team, which is what the giants are right now who have absolutely no help at wide receiver. They disliked him so much. They wouldn't even play him. And then I watched him today and I'm like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> He's very fast and elusive and broke a lot of tackles. And man, he went really high to catch that ball. And they sure do like using him. So <laughs> it was so painfully obvious, so quick that they've probably already won that trade because there's there was there was a modicum of risk anyway. A third rounder is not big risk. And then when you watch him on the field, you're like, yeah, I see why they took the chance because he fits what they do perfectly. And he already looks like it was like McColl was gone for one week so that you could be definitively sure at the end of the year, you had nothing to do with McColl anymore because he's going to slide into that role so comfortably. We will never notice the difference because right now he looks like the more athletic McColl, doesn't he? Yeah. And to your point, like the idea that in the NFL, just generally speaking, that a guy is discontent and he's not performing well. And then it gets to the point where he's not really playing because he's not practicing. Like That's how the whole Tony thing went down in New York, where he was basically not a part of the team yeah. because he clearly wanted out. And in situations like that, we've, done, we've seen this happen so many times in the NFL when a team convinces themselves like, well, we'll fix him. You know, it, it may not have worked out with him there. But we'll bring him into our culture, and then all of a sudden he'll be great. Anytime that happens, I want to I want to like grab the the NFL team and shake them. Like it, it doesn't work that way. 
when a, when a player shows you who they are and that they're not willing to work or that it doesn't work with their team, it's not going to work with your team either. Ever. It never works. Except for Kadarius Tony. <laughs> Kadarius Tony has taken two weeks. And even if this is who he is, right? If he's just going to be sort of a guy that you can deploy, he'll never be your main option. He'll never be your number two. But he is a, a gadget receiver that you can get the ball to in open space and you can do stuff with him behind the line of scrimmage. Even if that's all he is, that's a success story in the NFL. Most guys do not reach that level of success, even as first round picks. And the fact that the Chiefs have tapped into his potential in two games more than the Giants did in a season and a half tells you everything you need to know. And to me, I know we want to give a lot of credit to Andy Reid in this. It's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is special. That is the value that he provides is that if you play in a, an offense quarterbacked by number 15, your stock increases by what number do you want to put it at? Because I don't just look at Kadarius Tony. I look at the season that Juju Smith-Schuster's having. I look at the season that MVS is having. If you play in an offense quarterbacked by Patrick Mahomes, your stock rises exponentially because that's just what he does. He's going to get you involved. And I think they want to elevate their game to matches. He even said in his post-game interview, he goes, Pat's going to put it there. So it's up to you, to me, to be where I'm supposed to be and to know the playbook and to make the play happen. Also, they just did not guard him on that touchdown. He was just <laughs> so by himself. Yeah. He said, he goes, I still can't believe it on his first touchdown. He wasn't planning on hopping into the end zone first, first one, but that's what happened. He goes, what did I do to be in this position? How can I thank God anymore? What a little angel. No. I know. I know we usually like to um, just talk happy things after a win. Do we do we save the funeral for Sky more? Is that today oh, or, or do oh, we yes. do that Wednesday? I mean, like the music, the whole thing. Nick, you could give a eulogy because Sky Moore's 2022 season died today. That was it. We watched the end of his season today because there's no reason to use him inside of this offense. If Juju, what do you think it is? What do you think it Tony, is? All those guys around the field. What do you think it is, though? Because there is something very clearly holding him back in a way that Kadarius Tony was able to overcome in two weeks' time. Um, the, complex, the complexities of an NFL offense versus a Division II school. I mean, really, I because I, I don't think it's athleticism. I don't think that he's a bad athlete or can't run around. I think it's very simple. Kadarius Tony went to an SEC school, Nick. They run more complicated stuff against more complicated defenses. It is a more professional setting than the school he was coming from. You never know what's going to happen when you make that, when you take a player from those ranks because every program's a little bit different. But if you made me guess, he st stood down the barrel of an NFL playbook and I don't think it was easy for him to pick up yet. Did so, you hear that, Nick? SEC school. Yeah, I, I did. You, <laughs> I don't have any respect for SEC schools, so you guys can have this conversation by yourselves. <laughs> so you don't think it's a talent. You don't think it's a talent thing. You think it's simply a complexity issue because I look at Kadarius Tony on top of that, and I say, "Well, he might be a better athlete." Yeah. Well, he was a first round pick. Yeah, he was. He was a first round pick, and you go back and you look at some of the stuff that he did at Florida. Like, it's really impressive. And I get that. You can throw a lot of NFL guys' college tape on and say, wow, this guy's going to be a superstar. And then you watch him in the NFL and they're just other dudes. But that's who Kadarius Tony was in college. He was a dynamic playmaker in an SEC offense. 
And I wonder how much of that it is. And I guess we'll find out long term, like over the next <laughs> the course of the next year or two, we'll find out if Skymore is any good. But it's so easy to see. Like you just let's leave Skymore out of it. I watch Kadarius Tony and I say, yeah, that guy has special talent that very few guys in the NFL do. Not to say he's going to be one of those top dudes, but just from a skill set point of view, the agility, the quick burst, the acceleration, he's got next level stuff. The concerning part is always the same, which is kind of what I pointed out last week, but now it's built on each other. Mahomes has thrown for 1,210 yards over the last three weeks. Sky Moore has eight of them. Of 12? I mean, if you think about it that way, there's no way to feel good, right? Mm. 1,200 yards he's thrown over the last three weeks. And Sky Moore has managed to get eight of them receiving. Because if we take away Tony's rushing stuff, well, then fine. His, his yardage today is like, 65 over the last two games, 70, but it's like, he's got to 70. At least he's got a piece of that pie. He's got seven, 8%. He just got here. Sky Moore just didn't have anything in there, but it doesn't make, doesn't take away from Tony's really debut because he was great today. Speaking of going silent, Clyde was non-existent today because Pacheco is now the lead back. He had 16 carries for 82 yards. Romo called him Mr. Wiggles on the broadcast. Um, <laughs> he also called Mahomes Merlin the Wizard. Tony was on one today, but so was Pacheco. Think, do you guys think either one of those nicknames are going to catch on? No, people <laughs> will call Mahomes a wizard. That's not. I think we should actively try to make Mr. Wiggles stick because <laughs> attaching any adult man to be forced to carry the nickname Wiggles forever is great. There's a Wiggles in our friend group. <laughs> And it got decided randomly. He's still wiggles to all of his people. He's in his 40s. He, he must hate it. Job. And he is miserable. I know it. Oh, so, this guy. so to make another Mr. Wiggles out there, I think I am. I am all for it. I think we should make that one stick. We should try to make that one stick. Clyde Done. got benched. I didn't think it was yeah. going to happen, but Clyde got benched. He had two targets for zero catches and he had zero carries. And I'll be honest. I thought our guy uh, Pete Sweeney over at Arrowhead Pride had said on our show on Friday, that he wanted them to see what one back looked like. And I was like, that's not going to solve your problem. And I'm not sure that it solved the problem as much as the Chiefs just ran the ball well today. But if you gave it to, if you, Pacheco fumbled in, a, in an important moment very early and they gave him the ball right back and he looked great and they never took it away from him, which means they're never taking away from him. Isaiah Pacheco is this team's back. Clyde will still find a game or two where he'll probably get a few touches, but Pacheco is their back. They're not a one-back system because McKinnon plays a little, but there's a huge swing here. So that's just it. It's To me, it's not about seeing if what happens when you just give one guy all the carries. I don't think it necessarily works like that. It's more about Pacheco specifically, which is we know what Clyde does. We know what Jarek does. And this isn't even really an indictment on Jarek. Jarek's never going to be the lead back. Nobody's advocating for Jarek to be the lead back. We know who no, he, he does a good job in his role. Yeah, right. Yeah, he is your third down back. He is your pass catching back. That's fantastic. In terms of running the football, though, we know what Clyde brings to the table. There is no new door for the Chiefs to open to say, well, what if they did this and see how it works for Clyde? We know who Clyde is. We know what his ceiling is. We know what to expect from him. We didn't know that with Pacheco. And you look at his skill set kind of compared to Clyde. He's a more he's a, he's a natural north to south bruising running back. Yeah. The only thing we hadn't seen, the only door we hadn't opened for the Chiefs offense was what happens when Pacheco's your lead back? Not just your back at the beginning of the game, 
but a guy who can get steady carries throughout. And we saw that versus Jacksonville. And in terms of individual performances, granted, it helps when your quarterback throws for four touchdowns and you don't have to rely upon the running game very much. But in terms of individual performances, that was about as steady of an individual rushing game that we've seen from the Chiefs this year. You know, I, I think it's fair to point this out because like, if you're not a Jags fan, you're listening to this podcast because you're a Chiefs fan, this, is, this should matter. The Jags, for as bad of a team as they might be or under, they are actually really good at stopping the run. That was a, that was a strength of theirs. They were actually pr- pretty good at it going into the game. They were good at running the ball and stopping the run, and it didn't matter, right? He was, they were good. The offensive line, this is what's so frustrating. Like, kids are going back to the offensive line, too. Just, just like a modicum of, of consistency would be fine. I mean, I mean, just they go back and forth from looking like a top five offensive line to looking like a bottom five offensive line. And I can't decide which you are at times. And they spent a, a big majority of this game without their right tackle. And it didn't matter, by the way, because we didn't call Prince Tego Wainuga's name once, right? We're not like, well, Great job, by the way. Great Whoa. job. Just casually throwing that out there with that. Better you than me. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they didn't, we didn't have to <laughs> figure out whether or not he was the goods in the middle of the game. He was fine. He did the job. Nobody noticed, which is most of the time what we ever ask of Wiley. But I, I don't think it's insignificant because what this is going to bring up is the conversation about if Clyde is a bust. And bust is strong because anytime you say that, That means they have no inherent NFL value. And I don't think that that's what Clyde is. But here's what he is. He's not a first-round running back, and he should have never been. They shouldn't have wasted a pick that high on him. They found value at a running back they like better at a seventh. And this should be a valuable lesson to them. That if they want to improve the running back position, it does not require doing it high in the draft. It just requires taking chances at other places. Because look at Pacheco today. That really worked. He looked the part. He was north and south. He looked comfortable. He's averaging four and a half yards a carry in this game. He has flaws. He's not a good receiving back. They don't even try to throw it to him. But who cares? If you have that in McKinnon, McKinnon's receiving good receiving backs, they are consistently available in the free agency market because teams let them go and then they become available and you can find them again. So if you have a good just running back, you don't have to spend valuable assets to find it. What's interesting about McKinnon, as you bring that up, is that in his last two games, Jarek McKinnon has 12 receptions for 106 yards. So as the Chiefs have went away from Clyde and really just went away from running the ball, as we saw against Tennessee, McKinnon has become more of a threat in the offense, just not in the rushing game. He has become the new checkdown guy, right? Like when you're... When you know the way the Chiefs are going to be defended and that they're going to try and take away the deep shots, it forces you to go underneath more. And McKinnon has been a very reliable target, which say what you will about the offense and the way that it needs to evolve and in the way that it needs to attack the way that you know, defenses are defending them. McKinnon has a very clearly defined, well-carved out role in this passing attack, which is more than you can say about any running back. Chiefs have had since they drafted Clyde Edwards Elaire. Yep. Six receptions today, 56 yards. Uh, and really quick, going back to the Pacheco fumble. I love what Andy said post game. Um, he said he was upset about the fumble, got back on the horse, learned from it, and you've got to go. That's my coach. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt fumbled his first ever carry for the Chiefs. They yeah. Proceeded to give it to him another 30 times. That, that was against that, that was against the Patriots, and he ended up having like a 70-yard bomb. 
Which yeah. like he had like three touchdowns that game. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. By the way, just 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 an aside, Cody. You're not wrong about anything you said about what the Chiefs should learn from the Clyde Edwards Elaire situation. The issue is that it shouldn't have taken like today should not have been the moment where they're like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have drafted a running back in the first round. Like you probably could have learned that at any point over the last three years, but today did feel different. It felt like sort of the moment where we can all kind of look around and say, all right, it's not just an injuries thing. It's not just a situational thing. Now you see a guy who is doing better in the same role which didn't kind of reinforce it or make it feel more real than it had at any point in the last couple of years.